0: Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island, it's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island athletics podcast, with your host, David Pizzuto.
1: Austin Mick with a nine-point lead. Mick flying to the perimeter, gets it over
0: to Latunji for three. Dolphins working back up to 12 points. In-depth stories reviews and previews interviews and so much more it's all right here and now for the dolphin pod here is your host david pizzuto
1: and welcome into the dolphin pod another week another episode for us here on csidolphins.com and anywhere you are choosing to listening to us this week on spotify Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Anchor FM, and the other entities. And right here, obviously, on CSI Dolphins.com. This is episode thirty. We are premiering our show on Friday, July thirty first of two thousand and twenty. David Pizzuto here, Social Distance Style, uh, from my home in South River, New Jersey. And uh, I'm here with our guest host for the past uh, couple of weeks, Nicholas Duran. Nick, how are you?
2: I'm doing good, Dave. Luckily, we don't have to wear masks. We're socially distanced. We're good to go.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, a lot safer in the confines of our own home these days. But of course, always itching to get back to campus. And you know, Nick, the flashback. Um, the theme of today's show is the Flashback Friday, which we debuted a couple of minutes ago on CSI Dolphins.com. Uh, CSI Baseball's uh, big moment in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, when they beat. Benedict College, their first Division II win uh, as a Division II school uh, in program history. Uh, We have Louis Mandiel, who will join us, a junior on the team, uh, to talk about that game. And of course, we'll also talk about Sportsnet's um, top 10, which, uh, you know, make no mistake, was men's basketball again. They've dominated this countdown. We'll get your musings on that uh, game as well against Brooklyn. And um, the number five moment on both of those countdowns, Nick, means for us anyway that summer's coming to kind of a close we're almost halfway down with this uh you know summer and that's you know uh, despite the great weather outside that's uh you know it's it's always a bittersweet feeling when we reach this midway point
2: yeah and it would be a lot better if if, uh, we had some fall sports to look forward to um that makes it so much different of a year because this is usually such an exciting time you know getting everybody going and and learning the new kids that are coming in and what the programs are going to look like and shape up as. So it's definitely a different time, but exciting to we're getting to the end of the flashbacks and then hopefully follow into the year with some, some live sports action.
1: Yeah. And for those of you who've, who've kept up with, with us throughout the weeks, uh, we know that we had Charles Gomes on last week to discuss the COVID closure, the ECC's uh, decision to suspend fall sports, and we'll get more and more updates from Charles as we go. He will not be joining us on this week's show, but we plan to have a show dedicated specifically to him. Maybe a midweek show next week. Uh, some questions have started to come in that Charles will be fielding, so uh, we're excited about that. And and you know, uh, we've already started to issue some directives to coaches about organizing practice plans for the fall. So slow, but sure there will be some, some, um, you know, concentrated groups of, of athletes that are going to be getting back, obviously, uh, moving into dolphin Cove and the like. So a lot more on that front, uh, to inform our audience and you know nick for us on csidolphins.com anyway um the one uh, breaking news item we didn't get to cover it last week because charles was on the show but um you know you recently got elevated to an associate head coach position for basketball and Um, This past week, uh, we welcomed another associate head coach to the ranks, Pat Daddio, who's been with the baseball program since 2014, went from being an assistant to an associate. So we definitely want to send our congratulations out to him. He's been a real integral part of our baseball program.
2: Yeah, a big congratulations to Pat. Um, He's a great guy. Uh, Since I've been there, he's somebody that's just always around and always in the building. Seems like he gets paid a million dollars to be there all the time, (laughs) which he doesn't. So he puts in a lot of work and really deserves the position. So, uh, honored to be an associate head coach with him as well. Like just, just shows that the work that we put in is being acknowledged. So it's really nice to see on his front.
1: Yeah. And I know, I know the same goes for you, but, um you know when you divide the amount of hours divided by how much money you make i think it comes out to somewhere between six and eight cents an hour so you know i think we're, <laughs> we're moving that we're moving that needle slow but short but uh but yeah, yeah that's the one that's the one common denominator with our coaches is and and pat is no different obviously um he's part of the wallpaper at csi he's there all the time and always putting in work with the kids behind the scenes even now as you guys do as well so big congratulations to him and and nick uh, you know we'll turn our attention to um the other news story that came out obviously just this week on tuesday we announced number five on the csi sportsnet top 10 summer countdown of the most viewed games uh, of the 2019-2020 season, and basketball has owned every place on this countdown, and they kept it up with the number five moment—a game that really didn't go your way from the jump, Nick. Uh, against Brooklyn College, uh, a familiar rival, always a big crowd when CSI and Brooklyn lock horns. Uh, you guys were on the downside of a 77-60 loss against Brooklyn in mid-January. Talk about that game and and the kind of opposition that that Brooklyn, uh, you know, was for you guys that day.
2: Yeah, first, I'm starting to think that the countdown could possibly be a conspiracy theory just because Coach Tibbs watches so much film <laughs> that he possibly could have just clicked on these games so many times That's that possible. we just keep getting the spotlight. But <laughs> Bro- Brooklyn was, was a tough one, and it always is a tough one since I've been here. And even in Tibbs' playing days, he always brings back that like, that, that was our one true rival for whatever reason, there was just so much animosity when you go and play there, anybody who plays there. So that kind of travels to our gym. And from the start, they just really punched us in the mouth that game. We didn't really have answers and they hit so many threes early in the game. Uh, Mike Tesserero stepped up and hit two threes from, you know, three or four feet back from the line that he's just throwing them up. And they went in that night and then Anthony McLean went six for uh, three for six from three. So, Just when guys are shooting that well, and and that's what Brooklyn does is shoot well, it was tough to play in that game for us because we just couldn't keep up scoring-wise.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, they had made eight three-pointers of their nine in the game, eight three-pointers in the first half. And that... You know, anytime you can hit eight threes and a half, that's that spells good times. And they took a a big 19 point lead into the locker room. You guys stayed pretty much in step with them the rest of the way, but they had really built up such a big lead. Um, you know, I think one of the bright spots in the game for you guys, um, you know, he he sometimes he's limited with minutes because of foul trouble, but Joe Zier has put up 35 minutes in that game, Nick, and he put up 16 points, uh, was second on the team with seven rebounds. He did have a blocked shot, and you know, I think Joe is one of those one of those guys who's, you know, he's, he's a pretty, you know, quiet guy in terms of fanfare, you know, but he's one of those guys that that that's kind of steady. And when he's giving you production like that, uh, you guys are usually in a good place. That was a pretty solid game by Joe, all things considered.
2: Yeah. um, It's kind of what Joe did all year. Mm -hmm. He was kind of like our, our guy that you just can't take out of the game. It's like hard to find a reason to take Joe out because if he's not scoring, he's going to rebound. If he's not rebounding, he's scoring. If he's not doing either, he's blocking shots, diving on the floor, taking charges. So for, for Joe to step up in a game like that, especially with the animosity of the game being high, that's kind of Joe's element, where he's just going to do what he does. And they didn't, their big guys weren't able to really stay in front of him a lot. So he was able to get a lot of easy baskets, which he shot six for nine from the game. So he was able to be really efficient. And that, that just shows what Joe Z was for the whole game.
1: Yeah, so obviously anybody who wants to revisit the game and watch, obviously keep your eye on number 24 uh in white for the Dolphins. Joe Zier has put up a really nice game, nice game there and you know, you know Nick obviously watching a game in which you guys, you know, trailed for from pretty much the jump and and lost eventually by 17. I guess the positive you take away from it is that you get a good look at a Brooklyn College team that ended up winning the CUNY championship, and I think the other silver lining is that you guys return the favor later in the year. And it's part of like that game against Brooklyn was was kind of like that that curve in the season where you guys really started to make up ground, uh, started to beat the teams that you guys lost to the first time around. And Brooklyn College was one of those teams. So as good as Brooklyn College looked against you guys at home, you guys ended up beating them on their floor. And that had to feel good, um, you know, for you guys, especially in a game where you guys lost Austin Mick early, I remember in that game. Um, So that had to feel good to return that favor in Brooklyn later in the year.
2: Yeah, playing there, like I said, is never never fun. Coaching there is even worse because the kids can't hear you. It's loud. The gym is packed. So going there to to return a favor w- was a great feeling, especially losing Austin Nick because you kind of think like once he goes down so early in the game, they're so guard heavy. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like you get the feeling like this is going to be a really tough one to pull out. Um, but like you said, towards the end of the season, we started playing a different style. Um, Early in the season, we were playing a little zone and jumping out to man later in the season We were more pressing and running up and doing things like that So again, we played them at brooklyn without uh, mike Tesserero who came back and and literally carried them to the championship just off of What he does for the team So not having him when we played them made a big difference too And we were able to run and jump and muck up the game a little bit compared to when we played them at home they had him, and he was really controlling the game for them.
1: Yeah, good. Uh, you know, good perspective. Obviously, the game that you guys played at Brooklyn, uh, I believe, is also available on YouTube. So, if any of our fans want to want to check in on the early season game and then the late season game, take a look at some of the development that CSI had, and uh, and of course, get a good look at at Brooklyn, the team that ended up winning the CUNY championship, as Nick just just mentioned. So, a great visitation there, and I guess will um we'll wrap up this segment Nick by just talking about you know Brooklyn and CSI rivalry in in and of itself you know Brooklyn was a division 1 school at one point uh for you know over a decade and and then returned back to division 3 and once they did I mean you just mentioned that they they have been the big rivalry and and I think across both sports too men's and women's that's been the most steady of the rivalries. You know, you could talk about Baruch too, because they had some terrific women's teams, um, you know, uh, you know, a decade ago uh, leading up to the, to the late 2010s. And, and, um, so that was obviously a big one, but Brooklyn, you know, is right over the bridge. They always bring a lot of fans to the house. It's always loud. It's always noisy. And as the men's game, you guys get a lot of that spillover from the excitement of the women's games. Cause the women's games have always been close. There's a lot of tension in the stands during a women's game, you know, good, good tension, good energy, yeah. good energy tension. Uh, and that spills over to the men's games. And it's, it's unfortunate for you guys sometimes because you guys have to leave the court at, you know, at halftime, really to get yourselves prepared. So you haven't seen some of the exciting endings of women's games. You know, right? Maybe right up until the very end. But that series, men's and women's, I think is one of the one of the signature rivalries that CUNY had up until this year.
2: Yeah, I think the the women's rivalry was was more than our rivalry, which which made our games, like you said, more exciting. Like mm-hmm. they, the women's, since I've been there in Brooklyn, you know, that that's pretty much been one or two. It's just figuring out who's going to be one and who's going to be two. Right. So we always love traveling to those games and even getting there early for the game when we play, because you get to watch it, you get to see it, you get to feel it. And then both teams just play so hard on the women's side. And then, like you said, we have to leave at halftime and go get prepared for our game. And I feel like whenever they play Brooklyn, it comes down to the last shot or, you know, the last couple of plays. So it's like, you don't get to see that. And then you get to talk about it with the, with the, uh, coaching staff and you know when timmy was there and now nicole's there like you get to just see how hard they play and then we get to go out and play just as hard and like i said they've always had great talent since since i've been here we lost in the semis to them um i think it was my second year and it was just a point where they just they had more talent than us that year And they've been top of the conference with us so it was good this year to to play them close at home at their house at the end of the season and pull out a win. So the rivalry has been great on on our side. I think it's been the best rivalry of of both teams, men's and women's, as a combined rivalry.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And all the more reason to revisit it on Sportsnet. I think you're right, Nick. I think maybe TJ clicked on this one one too many times. (laughs) The whole coaching staff probably, uh, you know, Probably responsible for a couple of hundred of those, of those views, but all the same It all counts, and and that was number Five, and we'll see if basketball can stay On the countdown uh, with number four Next week, so we're at that point of the show Where uh, Nick and I will take a break And when we come back from our commercial break We will have our featured segment of The Dolphin Pod, we will sit down with CSI baseball junior Louis Mandiel, who will join us from the Baseball team to talk about the number four Moment on the flashback Friday countdown And it was, of course, CSI's big division two win over benedict college it's coming up after the break right here on episode 30 of the dolphin
0: pod stay with us you're listening to the dolphin pod right here on csidolphins.com champions
3: champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are division two. We go big, we give it everything we've got and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division II, and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves our vision, our heart, our drive to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, of life. At Division II, the opportunities are here. Are
0: you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod, right here on CSIDolphins.com.
1: And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. This is episode 30. We are premiering on Friday, July 31st of 2020. Obviously, our last episode uh, of, for the month of July. And uh, Nick and I have reached our featured segment of the Dolphin Pod. It's where we get to sit down and talk to uh, one of our own at CSI. And today's guest is CSI men's baseball junior, Louis Mandiel, joining us um, here for the next half hour, 35 minutes to talk about Flashbacks Friday, number five moment, which we debuted on Dolphins.com just a couple of minutes ago, and that was CSI Baseball's 21-9 to uh, romp over Division II Benedict College. It was the school's first ever Division II win as a Division Two school, and, uh, and, um, and Nick and Louie are now joining us for this segment. Louie, uh, how are you today?
4: How you doing, Dave? I'm doing great today yeah and
1: you know what i want to start this off by saying that when i reached out to you to to get this interview done you were preparing for a fishing trip and and you're a big you know you're a big fisherman that's one of the one of your hobbies how'd you get into that
4: yeah so with uh coronavirus canceling out our season i had uh, a little more time in my hands and i could get to go to fishing a lot of places that i uh, would fish i i've i've been fishing since I'm about 12 years old. Wow! So, yeah. yeah, I got some time, and I could go fishing finally, and it, it's a great. It's a. It's been a hobby of mine. I love it. Awesome. Nice yeah. and peaceful. Yeah, and when you uh, when you told me you were, I got
1: I got jealous right away because it's one of my favorite hobbies too. I haven't been able to get out though, uh, but that's terrific. And you know, Louis, the reason why we're we're talking to you today is obviously the number five moment on the Flashback Friday countdown was that big win over Benedict College that you guys had in Myrtle Beach. And you know, with all the great things that happened this first year as a Division II school, I guess first and foremost, how does it feel to have one of the top Moments uh, of this past year, the Flashback Fridays voted on by all the athletic staff members. So this was pretty high up on our list at number five. Uh, it's got to feel good to have one of the top moments from the last year.
4: Yeah, it, it was great, uh, Coach Morrow and the guys. We all and the other coaches as well, of course. We we even Gavin down there. We all and you guys, the we all were just ready to go for that game. It felt great to get that first. Division II win for CSI. It was a great feeling to do that with the guys.
1: We definitely want to talk about the Benedict game a little bit more. I want to start at the beginning with you, uh, Louis, just talking about you know, your roadmap to to CSI. I mean, obviously, anybody who's looked at you on the on the roster page of the website knows that you're a transfer. You had a couple of different stops at at uh, community college schools. You started your academic career at Pace University. So can you tell us, you know since high school at you know at Severian, you know what kind of steps you took uh, baseball collegiately and what got you finally to the College of Staten Island?
4: Yeah, so I started I was at high school. I played. Uh, Football, basketball, baseball over at Zavarian. I wound up choosing baseball towards my junior and senior years to be my main, you know, focus and goal for college. And I wound up taking off a year from baseball and just realizing I was at school going going to school and just realizing that wasn't for me. And what happened was I wound up going to a junior college, which I... I really wasn't that aware of coming out of high school as an option to get recruited and get back into baseball. But I chose that as my path. I went to school down in Tom's river in New Jersey. And from there I had a, I I got back into baseball. I was loving it again. And from there I was going to look for, uh, other schools to get recruited. And that was my goal. I was going to go out and I, I, Talked Coach Morrow. He had my family come to the school. We met Coach Morrow, and it was it was really the he the way he talked, and we just knew it was the right fit. So it, it was over the day we walked we walked onto campus at CSI, and it was just a great fit. And I was so relieved and, and happy to get here. And then when I got here, it was a great time. We had a great season. Had to get cut short, but this is what it is. Yep.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, you coming in, Lou. You thought it was going to be, uh, you know, a Division three program when you were looking at it, and as we transitioned into yeah. Division two, you know, can you just speak on a little bit of, you know, how you transitioned yourself to be prepared for Division two while you thought you were coming in to be a Division three player? You know.
4: Yeah, it, uh, it's it's great news for the school. CSI has only been really moving in good directions for a long time now. And it's just great news for the sports program. Everyone over at at the uh, one hour Center is great. Been so helpful with Aaron there and everybody that's, you know, everybody, every coach is willing to help. And everyone's just very focused on making this move uh really worthwhile and it's i think it's going to do great in the uh, ECC and how did
2: you how did you guys take the news as a, as a team as you like how do you feel about now competing on the division 2 level
4: Oh I know we took it as we got to compete now every time we would talk about it we'd actually we'd say it so much that it was like drilled into our our brains that we're in D2 right now you know we got to really compete and, and make a name for ourselves. Yeah, and Louie, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of
1: curious, too, because obviously, you know, you've, you knew about CSI before you, you physically got here. When you come into a program, you know, as a junior, are you aware of, like, the history that, that CSI has had, their winning ways within the CUNY, how dominating this, this program has been in the past? Were you aware of kind of all of that before you decided to, to step into the program?
4: Oh yeah, I, I was definitely, I knew a bunch of alumni baseball players from, from Staten Island growing up. And actually recently some of my high school teammates had, had came to CSI and wound up having great careers and told me about it. And I, I just didn't, I didn't know where I would land. And, and when I, when I got to CSI, I really knew it was just home. Mm-hmm. It was, it was going to be the place for me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I had uh, I had Sal Trancucci on the uh, on the show a few weeks back and I asked him sort of a similar question because, you know, junior transfers are very tricky because, you know, um, the coaching staff is always very excited because they have kind of like a veteran presence who's coming in, uh, kind of be that that role model, that leader. But as a player, you know, how do you kind of approach coming onto a team as a, a junior transfer? Because, you know, in in some ways you're kind of an elder person on the team, someone who's been around the block a few times, somebody who's played collegiate baseball. But on the other side, you're still a new face on the team. And, you know, maybe you're a little bit more apprehensive to take a leadership role. So, you know, what kind of role did you think that you would have coming right out of the gate being in the position that you were at?
4: Well, yeah, you you said it well. I I really didn't want to step on anyone's toes or anything. Being it's my first year here, my first season, I love the way things were. And our, our team chemistry was really great. That's what made us a, a great team. And, and we, we competed. We wanted to compete. The, the drive was there to compete was because we all wanted to, to be successful at the end of the day. We wanted to win and stuff. So I just took it how it was. And I helped the team in ways that I could. But yeah, it's, it's, I've been, I've been playing college ball for a while now. So I've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of good baseball. My experience with Juco was great. It really, uh, it really helped me open up a lot of doors and opportunities and, and I'm, I'm very happy I'm here now. Great. So,
2: so I got one for you, Louie. I'll keep this one a little personal. Um, why, why didn't you choose to go back to basketball when you went to to junior college? Why, why are we choosing, why are we choosing baseball?
4: Oh, a, well, to be honest, uh, basketball is a passion of mine. I, I love basketball my whole life. But when I got to, to the Juco, I, I had my mind focused on baseball still. I was in the same mindset from when I was in high school where, uh, where I wanted to be playing baseball. I just thought I I could take baseball to places further up than I could in basketball, to be honest. And when you made that commitment, you went,
2: played baseball, and then now you wind up here. You know, you're a Staten Islander. Like Dave was just talking, you understand everything behind it. You know, coming into your first CUNY season and everything, how did you feel like it just went right from the jump? Like you said, you guys clicked, so... How did you feel your season went from a little bit of the preseason into the season? Like you felt like it just went smooth. You had to work harder than you thought. Like, what was your mindset there?
4: Oh, uh, It was great. Right when we got here, we uh, – right when I got here, I started to work out with Gav and everything, having, you know, those facilities there is great. And then right when we got into it, I mean, we had to use the – it's north. Northeast baseball we had to use that gym for you know a couple months, but we got in we got into it in the gym you know, we were really going at each other and coaches got us together And we just We clicked right away the team I felt like so we had a, I know we had a good lineup going into this season We had a bunch of guys that could hit even you know seven eight nine, or those guys are hitting still and our pitchers were doing their thing. I, I felt really good about splitting with mercy and then where our season was going from there. You know, obviously it's not, you know, you split, you didn't too 0 them, but I felt good about where we were going from there.
1: Yeah, I could definitely, I could definitely say that was a real positive, positive sign. And, you know, we, we went through that game against mercy with, with Sal pretty in depth. And you could tell that the team was really excited about, about that split and for good reason. And, you know, you you actually touched on my my next question perfectly was, you know, being a Northeast baseball team, it's you know, it's different because, you know, a lot of a lot of teams that we face in Myrtle Beach, with the exception maybe of John Jay that we face there, those teams had like 10, 12, 20 games under their belts already. Meanwhile, when you guys go to Myrtle Beach, you really only had one day of being outdoors. The rest of the time was in the aux gym and you know, baseball's baseball and it's, it's always going to be fun, but that has to take a real challenging toll on you to be indoors that much leading up to your season. And you said, you know, some of the players were going at it in a good way, but like, what's the big challenge? You know, what, what are some of the challenges associated with day after day having to practice indoors all the time?
4: Yeah, it definitely is rough. I mean, we're, we have that gym in there, so we could get a lot done. But it does get rough when you go and and we and we saw it firsthand when we went to uh, Myrtle Beach. It those teams had they had a different energy to them because they had been out there for longer. But that's okay. I mean, you, you still it's been a grind. Northeast baseball is just it's been a grind my whole life so yeah and and Louie, have you always have you always
1: played the outfield because it's it's even worse if you're an outfielder because it's not like you can shag fly balls in a gym, you know you could do a little bit of that, you can just do some running running catches and things like that, but as an outfielder, a, have you been an outfielder your whole life and b, how uncomfortable is it to really play your position as a fielder when you're inside all the time?
4: Yeah, so the outfielders just do a lot of hitting. And I've been an outfielder to answer your other question. I've been an outfielder my whole life, so it's a lot of hitting. And when we can, we get outside into the uh, you know little areas that are are good to hit some fly balls. We'll we'll get them in there, but it's nothing like playing against those other teams that we learned it firsthand with those North Carolina kids. They they've been they've been playing ten fifteen games before we get to our third game our fourth game right so it's different when you got to just play those games to get into that type of groove but the other teams here at our conference will have to do the same thing so it's all about how hard you're going to be working inside and how seriously you're going to take it
2: yeah it's a great point i feel like the, the south carolina trip for you guys really puts a lot of things in perspective for you because again, you're going to compete, you know, you split with Mercy up here and you're going to compete with schools that uh, have the same advantages and disadvantages of you throughout your conference. But when you go yeah. down to Myrtle Beach, you're playing kind of with the, the hand stacked against you already. So like for you guys going down there, do you feel that? Do you feel like going down there, it's kind of like, well, we have to pull together because the other teams are pulled together already. Like, how does that make you guys better throughout the season?
4: Yeah, Myrtle Beach was a great time for us. We started off hot, and then even playing that team from down there, Erskine, they were a great team, and it was just great to, like, show us what we're going to be competing against at the highest level of the divisions we're going to be in now. So it was just a great experience. I know those Erskine games, to me, I think were some of the most important games in the season going forward, if we were to have the rest of the season, we probably would have looked back at those and and said that was uh, a learning point.
2: Yeah. Like, like I've said on air before, we went down to Florida this year and played two of the best teams in the nation at the division two level. And, you know, you're not going to see that talent unless you see it in person. You see it on film. It, it's completely different. And, you know, yep. seeing that and I wish you guys could have continued your season and, Saw the full success of that to help you guys progress into the following year But how do you feel about you know the season getting cut short a little bit now? and You're You know trying to bring that into next year How do you feel like you guys can kind of bond together right now and keep that flow going that you guys just got?
4: Yeah, so we're still all in contact. We have we have zoom calls. We have zoom meetings so we've really been all in contact. I know I I talked to a lot of the guys. We're getting into our. Uh, what happened was with with coronavirus. There's a lot of good competition at at local leagues. That local leagues that are still playing. So if you could get in your swings and your your pitcher you throw innings there. I know everyone is just ready to play next season, and I, I hope we we just pick up right where we left off. I I know we'll pick up right where we left off, but I think everyone's just going to be hungry to play. It was, it was heartbreaking being in the uh, clubhouse and having to be told that we got to go home by coach Morrow because our game was canceled. Our season's canceled. So yeah, I I know a lot of the guys will be ready to go.
1: Yeah, I, I remember that day that we, that we did have to cancel seasons, and it was it was a tough one to say the least. Because, and I think one of the reasons why, Louis, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys have a really really tight team. I mean, being on that trip with you guys in Myrtle Beach, you know, there's you know there's the bus trip, and everybody's kind of getting along and laughing. There's very little. There's there's no clicks really on the team. Everybody's kind of you know, all hands on deck. Everybody knows what their role is. Everybody knows what they bring to the table. And that's really important when you have a team with like 30 kids on it and only nine get to play at any one time. It's really important for you guys to be, to have like a real friendship and bond. Can you talk about how important that is for this team in particular, how important that, that energy and that friendship was for you guys?
4: Yeah, it definitely meant a lot to us. I mean, it, on that bus trip down there, you, you learn things, you know, it's, it's, it's brutal driving down <laughs> to uh, Myrtle beach. So you learn things about your teammates. You guys get the joking around and stuff. It really just becomes a uh, brotherhood. And now you're taking that and going into games with that. And it, you know, it's something special when you get, when you get rolling like that. And I, I really did feel good about us going, coming home from mercy. Looking at some games on the schedule that you know really stood out in your uh, in in our schedule that you know you really want to play in and get some wins, but got cut short. Yeah, yeah. And and
1: and Crazy. before before we talk about next year because we do want to talk s- some more about that. I do want to focus in on that game against against Benedict because that was supposed to be a doubleheader. You guys only ended up playing them once that day, but but what a game that was. I mean, there had to be a little bit of nerves going into that game just knowing that they were a D2 school and they come out and they score 3 runs right in the top half of the first inning. But then you guys just erupted. I think you had 9 runs on 9 hits in the first inning of that game and you and you kind of started things off, you know, you had the first hit. Uh, you know, against them, and you ended up scoring in that inning, and scoring a, a couple other times in that game as well. You know, can you can you remember back to that first inning and and knowing that you guys had jumped on them right away, and and the feeling that that gave the team the energy that the energy boost that that was able to provide for the team?
4: Yeah, it was it was great because we really went into that game knowing that that was going to be either the first. In reality, knowing it's going to be the first win or the first loss for Division Two uh, competition at CSI, so I know we had my boy Adam Gonzo on the mound, and I knew he was going to. I just they had some good bats on that team. You could tell right away that they were a Division Two team because they had some good bats on that team. But I knew we just needed to get him some runs, and we were really geared up for that game. I don't think there was anything stopping us from hitting any pitcher that day because of our mentalities, and it just felt really good to get it done, and and to get it done then. Some, you know, it wasn't really even a close game. No.
2: Yeah, like you just touched on it, Louis. Um, you had Adam on the mound. He's a you know first year transfer in, and you know he goes <laughs> he goes out and has a really tough first inning. You know, three nothing. You guys walk into the to the dugout you guys scored nine runs and then six runs in the next two innings. Like what was just the overall feeling that you felt, the team felt, the coaches felt like overall, I mean, you guys scored 15 runs in two innings on a division two team. There has to be just so much joy, so much appreciation of everybody at that point.
4: Yeah. It felt great. It was one, it was one of the greatest moments in my career I'd say, because, you know, in the moment you just want to keep the bats rolling. You know, we used to say, uh, fight at the bat rack when we were younger and like travel ball, like who wants to get a hit? You know, you, you're fighting each other to get up because you just want to keep getting hits. So it was a great feeling.
2: Yeah. And then then even the way the game ends, like, I mean, we, we had a a great win against NYIT and, you know, a lot of you guys were at that game and, you know, we, we won pretty, pretty good. We, We won by, uh. Double digits and everything you guys. I mean you got the game called because you were winning so good so like the end of the game happens and you know, what's what's the overall feeling? What's the? What's the hurrah of the night? Like how, how do you guys take that game? Especially being our Number one win of, of division two history
4: Yeah, it was great for us I mean, I knew it felt different right when we got on the bus it, it, it all hit it kind of like hit me right when we got on the bus and we felt the uh, energy coming off the team and we were just you know listening to music we went out to eat we listened to music and it just felt great that night getting that win and it was nice and relaxing and I liked where we were going from there I really did
1: yeah you know even even the losses the next day to and you had said it Louie even those losses gave gave us a pretty good indication of what you know uh division 2 was going to look like but there was still some some silver linings in those games that 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 we lost and you know i think Um, You know, just getting back to what you said before about being inside and having, you know, having to hit a lot. Uh, One of the things I remember about the Benedict game, I was texting with Charles Gomes, our athletic director, and he's like, how does the team look? I'm like, Charles, I don't I don't know about, you know, like I haven't seen enough of our pitching yet. We haven't gone through the rotation. But, man, these guys can hit. I mean, these guys can hit. We were hitting the balls everywhere in the field. We were going opposite field. We were we were hitting for power. We were hitting for contact. We were putting balls in play. We were moving Runners over. It was really, it, for, for an outsider like myself, it's really good to see that kind of baseball. And the other part of it that I really enjoyed was that when guys were coming back to the bench, it wasn't just about. Oh, did you see that hit I had? Or, you know, it wasn't, it, it was more about, hey, what are you seeing with this pitcher? What is he throwing? Uh, what's his second pitch? What's his third pitch? What's he trying to do to keep you off balance? And th- that's really great to see and to hear. And I was really impressed by how much you guys really help each other at the plate of really identifying what pitchers have. Is that a normal thing, uh, you know, with teams? Is that something special about this team? Because I was really. I was really impressed by that, to be honest. You know, you guys were really in harmony, really working together as a hitting unit to really get on top of the pitchers.
4: Yeah, our bats were really hot in that game, and we we really were focused at that time to get that first win. And I could tell you, like, that was pretty close. If not our A game, we were on it that day. Mm-hmm. And Adam wound up, you know he wound up just deal on those kids. He, he started hitting spots and, you know, really dominating the count. He wasn't, he wasn't messing around. So we, we got out of there with a nice, solid win. It felt, you know, sometimes you win a game, you feel like, you know, you almost could have lost that game. You know, you're thinking about what you could have done differently. And we really, that day we, we didn't have many mistakes and we capitalized on a lot of our, uh, Opportunities at play for sure.
1: Yeah, and then you know the the next day you guys play Erskine, and and anybody who looks at the scores of those games will say, oh man, well CSI, you know, um, you know they got really handed a couple of tough losses. But I was really impressed even in that doubleheader of the way you guys fought against that team. That was a really really good team, and again. When we played them, I think they had already played 17 games to that point, yeah. and and they were playing just about every day, and and you know they had like 50 kids in their dugout, so it was a different it was a different monster we faced that day. But I was really impressed, and you know, Louis, you in particular. You made a play, a defensive play in the outfield that was spectacular. We were down by, I think, eight or nine runs at the time. Would have been really easy to see that ball go over your head. You know, they score another run and they get a stand-up double, whatever. It was two outs. But you made a fantastic catch. I forget what moment of the game it was. And you could tell, like, even after you made that catch, you came back into the dugout. Everybody's high-fiving. Everybody's cheering because there's still a lot to play for in situations like that. And, you know, you guys take a lot of pride in the way you also play defense uh, especially you as an outfielder with all that range that you have um, can you talk about you know your how you know how important it is to be a, a strong defensive player as well and not just be looked at for how many runs you could score in a game
4: yeah I know I know for sure that we uh, we take some pride in what we do here defensively you know uh, it's 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 a big part of the game if you're not gonna our pitches are are out there trying to get some You know, you don't. you never want to throw walks. You never want to Hit by pitches, you know, you're trying to throw the ball near the zone So if you're ready and you're sound defensively It's it's a big part of the game. I, I always was told You know the team that makes the least amount of errors is probably gonna win sure and you put that into into context, it, it, it fits. You know the stats don't lie. Some a lot of the times. So great. Yeah, it was important to me to to play good defense because a lot of those pitchers, you know, they're working hard out there. You got to be ready to go. Great. Now through your
2: career, Louis, have you ever pitched? Is that why you feel this way, or no? No, you never pitched.
4: Yeah, I I used to pitch a little bit. I mean, I I was a real competitive pitcher when I was younger, but that's, that's like on smaller fields. And so I was really competitive, but yeah. I, uh, I'd say I gave it up like around like 14, 15, I pitched a little bit on the big field. And then I just, I stuck with outfield. I've been an outfielder my whole life.
2: Yeah, so you were defending pitchers. Like you, like you were a pitcher at one point, you know, you got to help them out. You got to help them out. <laughs> Not everybody yeah. thinks like that.
4: Yeah, you got to. I mean, you're going you're gonna to be out there. You got to be good defensively for sure.
2: Yeah. And like Dave hit on, you know, playing teams like like um, you guys played this year that that had that talent at the Division two level. Did you feel like even being on the field before a ball was hit to you, like in your head it's just running that, you know, you, you got to play harder, you got to do this harder, you got to do that harder, or are you just kind of playing it how you always played it?
4: Uh, nah, for sure. They were hitting some, you know balls harder than we had seen or or we were probably going to see to be honest So it was it was eye-opening to to know the The level of the game because the game is always the same game at every level It's the same rules the same, you know, but the speed of the game gets different you know, the, those kids those pitchers came in they were they were shoving our pitchers too. We were we were throwing. We were trying to meet them at their level, and you know it, it was that game was a real learning experience for us. It, the first three innings of both those games were, you know, both teams still wanted to win. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it and, wasn't and, like it I, wasn't one-sided in in the first couple of innings, and
2: yeah, and I hundred percent agree with you. You could look at our schedule too on the basketball side, the the. Uh, and Dave test to it too. He he called most of the games. the The score doesn't really matter at at our point level of it. It's you know how hard you guys played and how well you guys played together. And to see you guys play that hard in these games, and you know you come up with two division two wins is huge in not even yeah. half a season.
4: Yeah, it was it was different. the The speed of the game was different, and it was really. Uh, I, I, it was two of my favorite games that we played, those Erskine games, because you got to, you got to see what we, what we need to work on. You know, we got right back and we started thinking about what we had to work on and stuff. And we, we really gelled like that as a team. We, we took, like you guys said, like we took a lot of pride in it mm-hmm. and, and we took a lot of pride in, uh, in being successful. So after those Erskine games, you know, I kind of, I kind of, uh, changed my mindset a little bit and I felt good after those that win. The one one in Mercy, but it's just a shame our season's gotta get cancelled. But we'll be back working.
1: Sure, and that's and that's what I kinda wanted to lead to here as as we as we wind down our interview, Louis, is obviously you guys get hit with this with this horrendous news that your season is cut short and you know i mean looking back at it now it makes complete sense i mean when you see what that the whole world really shut down uh sports you know professionally or you know were done for for a while during that same same time frame but you know one of the silver linings is you know the ncaa came back and said anybody who used a season of eligibility in the spring for spring sports like softball and baseball and track um, can get that year back. Now, you're an upperclassman, so I don't know if you've given any consideration to that, but have you personally thought about getting the year back next year? Well, this coming year is supposed to be your senior year. Are you looking to get that back and turn it back into your junior year and stay uh, until 2022? Or is graduation looming for you so this, this will be it for you?
4: No, it's definitely a possibility, but yeah, graduation is, is probably looming a little bit, but definitely a
1: possibility, so. Good. Well, it's 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 important at least to have that option open for anybody who kind of lost the year uh, the way you guys did, and and obviously you know you mentioned that guys are staying hungry, guys are staying focused, um, guys are are still playing, and and obviously now that fields have opened up and leagues are starting again, you guys are really chomping at the bit to get back out there and start to play. So have you guys talked about? Kind of that unfinished business that you guys have, and and you know, going into the season, you did lose a couple of, uh, you know, uh, three really good seniors, but you have a big class coming in. Um, what if you know? What are some early kind of discussions that you guys are having as a team regarding your your team goals for next year?
4: Yeah, I think it's just the same the same business every time. I see one of the guys from the team, or I'm talking to one of them, uh, you know, over the phone on text message, it's really the same deal. Everyone's trying to better themselves and, and just be ready to go. And I got a real good feeling about our incoming class. And, you know, we got to meet those guys. We, we, we showed them what we're all about. And it doesn't take long to figure it out when you get to CSI with our coaching staff and the people we have in our athletic department, Start you know, all the way up from Charles down it doesn't take long to understand what we're about here. So I think it'll be real good. And those seniors, yeah, my guy Jet, Lazada, Khaled, like the people that are – that are. it's crazy that coronavirus had to do that because those were the guys, you know, I, I say I feel good about our season. Those are some main guys that, you know, that season was supposed to be, you know, their season, mm-hmm. their, their year to, to – but crazy yeah. everywhere the whole world's affected by this sure
2: yeah and, and like you said you'll lose some some big bats you know for next year and well what, what are some of your personal um goals for the year coming up what are, what are some things whether it's numbers or just what what what's your vision of the, the season coming up if it's going to go as a normal baseball season
4: Oh, I want to beat every D2 team there is on a schedule. That's
2: what I like to hear.
4: Yeah.
2: All right. Do and that then,
4: and just keep, keep it rolling.
2: Nice. And then, you know, you're, you're going to be the old guy on the team now. You're going to be the old man, the senior. So you're going to have oh, all yeah. these young guys coming yeah, in. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> so we're, we're going to get these young guys to listen to the podcast and listen to what Grandpa Senior has to say. Um, what what are what are some of the things that that you know were passed down from the older guys when you came in Even though you were older and that you look to instill in some of these guys just to keep the csi name going forward
4: Yeah, you just got to help each other out as teammates. Uh, they were those senior guys were real helpful You know, they come over to you work on your on your swing. Everything was about, you know building each other up never Never, you know tearing anything down
1: Great, and uh, and Louis, just to wrap up our interview. I mean, obviously, everybody l- loves the baseball part of CSI, but you know, you guys as students really had to adjust a lot as well. Now, instead of going to class and being around your teammates, now you're taking classes from home, and you know, it's a it's a whole new world. How did how did the spring semester kind of treat you academically? Like, how did you how did you how did you negotiate that? You know, being a student in an online world, did it did it help you or did it hurt you?
4: Uh, yeah. So I took a lot of classes online when I played in junior college mm-hmm. because we have a uh, we had a pretty rough schedule. we we'd play about forty games and we would be on the road a lot for whatever reason. We played in Region 19 in New Jersey, so I would have to take online classes. So I was already like real, you know, accumulated to like handling that. And, and me personally, I like the online classes better hmm. as far as, but yeah, it's, it's going to be weird taking all online. You know, I only, I take like at least one online class each semester, but now hmm. that we're going to have all of them online, it's, it's going to be really weird, but
1: yeah, definitely. And for it's- most of them. And it'll be weird, too, because in the fall, obviously, where there's no athletic games, but we're still hoping for there to be practice. So, you know, it's going to be an even more interesting dynamic because you're going to be taking classes from home or maybe have your laptop somewhere and then coming to the gym, possibly, you know, lifting weights, doing conditioning work and then going out there on the diamond. Can you can you talk about like, um, you know, how you plan to kind of you know achieve a good balance of being around the guys and yet only having a certain amount of time to do that because the rest of the time you're supposed to be social distancing and you're supposed to be you know at home getting your work done it's not just about hanging out in the lounge for for 3 and 4 hours at a time so it is going to be different even though athletics we hope is going to go on it's still going to be a different kind of athletics especially in the fall
4: yeah it's going to be a whole different animal and I'm eager to just to, to find out what it's going to be like, because yeah. I'm ready to get things rolling. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to be back in there with, you know, Alice and Gavin, you know, working hard, but I'm just chomping at the bit to get, the only thing you can do is really wait right now. And I've been doing everything I possibly can. You know, they, we got, we still have the ability to work out, you know, through the uh, technology and mm-hmm. stuff through virtual, but it's, it's just not the same at the sure. end of the day. So I'm just chomping at the bit to get back in there and, you know, start working for next season.
1: Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense, Louis. And, and as excited as you guys are to get back, so are we to kind of watch you guys perform. And, you know, it's the best part of our day, as we always say, and, and obviously being around. The, the the staff, your coaching staff, the kids. It's it's always a it's a welcome break for us too. So we're looking t- certainly to get out of the house and <laughs> and get back to business. But Louis, I want to really thank you for for taking some time out of out of your day to give us a little bit more insight into the program and into your career. And uh, want to wish you the best over the course of the summer before we get to see each other again in the fall. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me absolutely so uh that is i hope i see you guys soon man. Ab- absolutely and that's that's what we're hoping for hopefully by the time uh this countdown comes to an end the very next week we'll be back on campus hopefully classes will be starting and we'll be seeing a lot more of you guys yeah for sure definitely uh yep. appreciate that so so louie thanks again for joining us uh we're going to take a commercial break when we come back uh nick and i will wrap up episode 30 of the dolphin pod right here on csidolphins.com stay with us
0: You're listening to The Dolphin Pod, right here on CSIDolphins.com. In NCAA Division II, student-athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. That's because Division II student athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division II, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod, right here on CSIDolphins.com.
1: And welcome back to episode 30 of the Dolphin Pod. David Pizzuto alongside Nick Duran. And Nick, uh, you know, every time we we sit down with a student athlete and talk to them uh, on this show, it's always an eye opener. You always get a lot more insight than, um, you know, into the behind the scenes type stuff. And and Louie was, you know, uh, provided that to us uh, regarding baseball, uh, a tough tough way to end the season but a really a really bright first couple of games for them and it was nice talking to him about it
4: yeah
2: the baseball baseball kids are always fun they're always a good group uh louie you know brought us all the way inside the baseball team today so it was great to hear especially you know season getting cut short it's it's nice to hear you know the inside scoop of what they were thinking what what was going on in their heads during that time you know he, he likes online classes he likes fishing so in the fall that could be a good combination. You could possibly fish while doing an online
1: You time. know what? That's a that's a really good point. And you know, when he told me that, I think I texted him on Monday, when when he told me that, I was like, Oh man, fishing. I miss fishing. You know, I used to go on the boats to Sheepshead Bay or the Atlantic Highlands here in Jersey and and it was it's one of my favorite pastimes, but obviously that got KO'd with Corona because I used to go in May and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, I got immediately jealous. I'm like, Oh, this kid's got it made man (laughs) Man, to be, uh, to be 22 again with, uh, you know, uh, it'd be great. But, um, but, you no, know, I was really jealous. But but, you know, getting back to baseball, Nick, too, you know, it's so easy because their season was cut short. They, they only finished five and three, a team that usually plays, you know, 40, 45 games a year. Um, it's not enough of a sample size to really hang your hat on anything. But people forget, like they accomplished a lot in eight games. I mean, to beat not one, but two different Division two schools. When you've only played 25% of your season, that's, that's a big deal. You know, nobody else was able to do that. And, um, and he was right when he said that team could hit that team could hit that's one of the best hitting teams I've ever seen at CSI and it was just really a shame to see it end so so quickly. And I think in the footnotes of history not a lot of attention is going to get paid to this to this 2020 team because of what happened and how it ended but really we shouldn't take it for granted they they really did have a super season condensed into just eight games
2: yeah and it, it's it's sad to be honest with you because you know a lot of these kids the, the seniors they, they've been around and we've seen them around the building we know who they are and mm-hmm. to see them su- succeed so much in the beginning you know you get two division two wins and you're not even halfway through your season to have it go down like that. Like you say, it's it's a historical team that's not going to get written in the books for the only reason that they didn't get to finish what they started. And, you know, guys like Jet and uh, Anthony, Sal, you know, the seniors on the team, like th- those were the big bats. So there's going to be big shoes to fill next year, and um, I think they will. I think the coaching staff is going to do a great job of filling those spots. But like you said, it's sad to see it. It did not happen.
1: Yeah. But at least we get the stories that guys like Sal Trancucci and, um, and Louis Mandia were able to uh, share with us. And we're very, Grateful to them. Uh, really grateful to you, Nick, for joining me again, um, you know, this week and throughout the summer to count down the rest of our our flashbacks and, of course, our Sportsnet moments. You've been a great resource basketball-wise when we go through those, those Sportsnet moments. But uh, I really thank you again for being a part of this and look forward to doing uh, another one of these next week when we look at moments number four. Of course, Dave. It was a lot of fun once again, and I look forward to it. Excellent. So uh, that pretty much wraps things up here from uh, the CSI Dolphin Pod uh, right here on CSIDolphins.com. Like we mentioned, uh, every week, every Friday around 12, be sure to log on to CSIDolphins.com backslash podcasts. Or on any of our other entities, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and every other one that is listed on our website to find us wherever in, wherever you are uh, and at whatever time or whatever day you plan to listen to us. So for everybody, uh, for our guest, Louis Mandiel, for Nick Duran, I'm David Pizzuto wishing you a great rest of weekend and thank you for listening to episode 30 of The Dolphin Pod.
0: been listening to the Dolphin Pod. Remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show and check out our archive broadcasts throughout the year at www.csidolphins.com backslash podcasts or on any of the broadcast channels like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. If you have questions, comments, would like to be booked on the show or have an idea for a guest you'd like to see on the show, be sure to leave us feedback and catch all of our shows right here at csidolphins.com backslash podcast from all of us here at the college of staten island thank you for listening to the dolphin pod